Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week, I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond. I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream, as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. Please go out and take this time to be very diligent about the legislation that's going on with uh, that will affect our public lands. Those are our public lands, not public lands that we want to be ever sold off. We want them pe- for the people to use and enjoy. Get out there. Join groups like Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and my personal favorite, National Wild Turkey Federation. They're preserving the lands for the benefit of turkeys that land then benefits the other species that live there. So go to nwtf.org, check it out, join. They've always got some neat promotions going on when you get your membership. Thank you and enjoy this episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Real excited today. Today I've got Shane Reese on the phone and Shane is up in Kalispell, Montana and he has the show Silent Draw Outdoors, which you can find on both uh, Vimeo and some older episodes on YouTube. Uh, Shane, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Oh, great. I really appreciate your time and coming on the, the show today. Uh, for the folks that aren't familiar, uh, tell everybody a little bit about Silent Draw Outdoors, if you would. Well, Silent Draw Outdoors is uh, basically a dream of mine that uh, I wanted to do something different in the outdoor industry and something different in outdoor television. As we all know, outdoor television has kind of gotten a little stagnant and you see the same old stuff nonstop with all these different shows. And we decided to start years ago, start an internet based hunting show, Western big game hunting show. There's only four or five true Western based hunting shows on outdoor television. And we want to make a big push to get people to realize how amazing hunting is in the West. So we did the, basically an online version of a hunting show. And then after about three seasons, hit over a million viewers watching what we we're doing and got picked up by sportsman channel and, we're a sportsman channel for roughly four seasons, and we just, on our last season last year, we made the move to Pursuit Channel. Um, it was a little bit better opportunity to promote different things that we wanted to promote, and and basically been with them since and getting ready for season six on the Pursuit Channel this uh, third and fourth quarter. So with uh, the different exposures and different hunts you've done, this is going on six seasons. Uh, you know, you start to get a pretty good catalog of past hunts can you can you remember one that is probably your favorite or the one that sticks out most in your mind you know all of them are every one of them for us is exciting because we want people to understand the adventure of the hunt the reality of hunting you know the the goods the bads the man why did i do that or man i just blew that or the excitement of shooting something you know that's a trophy and tough a trophy is anything that you pull that trigger on is considered a trophy to us. You know, and granted, we've shot massive animals. I mean, I've got the number two bear ever killed in the world, the number two bison ever shot in the world with a bow. You know, you know 380-inch bull elk. I mean, we've got them all. But it's the adventure of the hunt, and that's what really what we try to push to people is it doesn't matter the size of the horn. It's about the adventure of the hunt, the friends that you're with, the family with, and just enjoying God's country and just enjoying the outdoors and so i can't really say a hunt that i really like the best I mean, we had some cool ones i mean we went to the northern arctic on a do-it-yourself caribou hunt uh it was a 10-day drop camp we were 127 miles north of the arctic circle and 
it was an amazing hunt that I'll never forget. I remember when I shot my caribou, I grabbed my GPS, and I was literally like 130 miles from the, the Russian border. That's how far north we were. Wow. You know, but it's stuff like that. It's just, you know, just the adventure stuff that, that, that really allures me. Well, I want to take you back to a hunt that I happened to find on not your Vimeo channel, but on your YouTube channel. And I think you just mentioned it. You were absolutely blessed to be able to go out on the Blackfoot Reservation for a bison. Tell me how that happened. So basically what happened is on that is I have a, you know, growing up in the state of Montana um, as a young kid, I've studied every book on Native American history because it's really an amazing culture, especially, you know, back in the 1800s, just how they, you know, shooting buffalo with a, a sinew, uh, string and a you know a flint broadhead and just the efficiency of of the hunt and just the the survival tactics and stuff that they had and the uh, blackfoot is is the one of the ones that are a major native american tribe here in, in the state of montana and i basically knew some people there and i said hey you know i'd always want to do something really amazing to honor you guys' culture and your history and buffalo is one of the big things that you guys did and, and there's a buffalo coalition um that started here in montana now it's spreading across the country where native american indians are trying to get um bison as a free-ranging animal again and so the blackfoot is, is one of them so they have 1.5 or 1.4 million acres that they have basically free-range bison they're non-farmed animals or just wild bison that roam uh, on the reservation and so talked to them and they're like hey we we definitely want to do something and i said the only stipulation i have is this i want to be able to shoot my bow but i want to honor you guys as much as i can i want to do every custom that you did during the hunt before the hunt after the hunt and really honor your history and your culture and and as you see on that video i mean it it was like a national geographic movie i mean it was really amazing and i was fortunate enough to basically spot and stock and belly crawl within 30 yards of seven giant bison and got blessed of shooting a just a sheer giant and and the nice thing is we donate the money back or the the meat back to the tribe and so the elders were fed and we're able to 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 give back to them for allowing us to come and do an amazing hunt with them yeah that's just an incredible hunt and the the buffalo that you took is that the number two in the world yeah, if you can see, the downfall is is in there's only two areas in, in the United States that actually classify for any record book for free range bison. The the herd out of Yellowstone National Park obviously is one of them, and there's another spot down in Utah. Um, so technically, I cannot score him because I mean I could petition to do it, but if you scored him out, he would he would rank number two in the world. Yeah. Wow, it, it is. He's huge on the video. Oh, he, he's giant. We. Uh, it was funny after we harvested and we had, I mean, that, that hunt was kind of cool because we had probably 15, 20 people that wanted to see us because a lot of them have never seen anybody ever harvest a, a buffalo with a bow before. And so I had, you know, fishing game there because they obviously they wanted to watch what was going on. We had guides and then we had landowners that had heard about it and were trying to, to kind of watch. But after we, we harvested it, we did the, the tradition, you know, of getting ready to cape it and taking a, a bite of the liver and a and a piece of the kidney and so we did all these things with him and the buffalo was so big that we could not move him to to skin him and we ended up calling some people who had a basically a one-ton pickup with a, a round bell loader and 
<laughs> it took three attempts to get him in the back so he kept breaking it. So we ended up getting another guy with another winch and did this whole pulley system to literally get that buffalo up on the back of a truck so we could take him someplace where we could actually skin him and process the meat. Wow. 20 plus years ago, I lived in a little town on the edge of Glacier National Park called St. Mary. And during my time yep. there, met a lot of people off the Blackfoot Reservation that were just fantastic to talk with and had a chance to head up to that head smashed in buffalo jump. Oh, yeah. Just the whole culture, the whole uh, history of that area, uh, going over by Chief Mountain, all of it was just, it's its one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. You know, it's amazing. And the people are just awesome, you know, and to be able to honor them and to show people their culture and, and just what they did and the, and the perseverance. I mean, we got to talk to the elders of the tribe and, and we got to talk with them. And in that video, you actually hear them talk about, you know, what the buffalo truly meant to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. And then one thing I like about your episodes is you'll use anything. You're not a, a archery snob where you don't look at firearms or don't look at anything else and you took a turkey with crossbow <laughs> yeah yeah so that's the one thing with this show is is when i started it we are all around sports i mean some of my pro staff one of the guys daryl primer um he was an, uh, an outfitter a guide in oregon and they called him the elk man you know and i've got a couple of my guys that are hardcore waterfowlers and you know chris who produces our show, um, he just actually just moved to Montana, but he owns an outfitting business for white and turkeys. And so we all are well-rounded sportsmen that can call pretty much any wild game animal. And for us, it's about being an all-around sportsman. And, and that's why I think our fans of the show love is they don't know what you're going to see each week. I mean, one week we could be in Alberta shooting bears. The next week we could be turkey hunting in Washington or Kansas or Nebraska or wherever. And then we could be doing a waterfowl hunt in Montana or Arkansas. You know, we, we actually aired the very first trapping show ever seen on sportsman's channel um because we all are hardcore diehard trappers as well i mean that's the longest tradition of hunting is trapping and so a lot of us are into that kind of stuff too so the show is basically if if people say what is your show i just say i just tell them we are an all-around hunting show that's going to show you reality television and give you a story and help educate you because we all know that when you watch outdoor television it's not an educational thing a lot of the times it's some guy talking or a gal talking and then they they talk about what's going on and then they show a snippet of a hunt well with our show you're not going to see that you're going to see a storyline a cinematic movie storyline of the hunt it's a documentary of what happens on a hunt now do they all are they all successful no obviously we show that we show the the mess up you know that man i draw back and i get busted by a giant bull walking through the timber and he takes off you know we show the misses one of my good buddies missed a really good white tail buck in washington shot right over the top of his back we air that kind of stuff because we are human we are just like you we want you to relate to us we want you to realize that just because we're on television doesn't mean we're perfect because no hunter as you and i both know are going to be perfect we can't be right and that's the nice thing i've noticed in watching the episodes that I've been watching of, of Silent Draw Outdoors is so many of the the shows have turned into an infomercial that happens to have a little bit of hunting thrown in. Yep. You do talk about the no, products you use, which is great, but you don't focus on them. You focus on the story. Exactly. Well, and that's what hunting is about. I mean, our sponsors, I mean, I've got some great sponsors. Don't get me wrong. And, and, and I've had long-term sponsors. Yes, their products are showing. And yes, if you ask me, hey, 
what's your bow of choice? I'm going to flat out tell you. And that's the one difference between me is I always tell my fans, if you see me shooting something, it's because I truly believe in what that is. I use that product. If I wasn't in having an outdoor television show of my own, I would still be using these products. And our sponsors understand that. So I don't have to hard sell you and hard sell our, our fans and watch an infomercial of our show because people know what we shoot because they see it, they visually see it, and they know we use it for a reason because it's, in our minds, the best on the market and, and what we feel comfortable enough to, to hunt with each and every time we go out. Again, I apologize. I've not seen all the episodes that you have out there on both Vimeo and YouTube. Tell me, have you done hunting mostly in the United States and, and Canada? I didn't see. Did you happen to head over to Africa at all for any bow hunting? You know, I've been after several times, uh, and actually, I need to get back over there because I need an eland, and I'll have all my spire holder animals with my bow. But we, I believe, it, when we were on, when we did our internet show, we actually did an African hunt that actually, we, I mean, we filmed it all anyways, but we actually put a show together that was on our website for a long time of an Inyala hunt that I did, which we all know Inyala is a very tough animal, number one to spot and stock. And that's the difference. Most people don't spawn stock. I mean, I actually spawn stock one, belly crawled, and, and I shot a really beautiful Anyala. Um, and the funny thing is, is where we were hunting, the guy had never seen anybody shoot one of the bow before, and, and we made a bet with him that we could get it done. And he's like, I don't think you can. And then <laughs> the bet was, if if I did it, that his his guides and his people had to process the animal, take it out for us, and they had to do all the work. We got to sit and watch him do it. And sure enough, that's what they ended up having to do. So. It was pretty cool. Well, that's neat. It's, yeah, now I've I've been to Africa once and took a number of animals, but like you just said, Eland and Niala are, are my two that I absolutely can't wait to get a chance at. Oh, they're they're amazing animals. I mean, I always tell people because I've been there, I think three times, and I've been there three times, and said I need to get back. But I always tell people if you're going to go to Africa, have a couple animals that you truly in your mind this is something that I want to go after, but then keep your mind open because you're going to see things that you've never seen before that are really cool. Like, for example, for myself, I never thought in a million years I'd want to shoot a Gemsabuck. Just It just wasn't on my radar. I was like, yeah, whatever, until I saw my first one up close, and I'm like, yo, yeah, I need to figure out a way to bow shoot one of these, and, and so I did. But Africa is just an alluring, amazing place, and it's just the animals you see there, it's, it's pretty spectacular. Were you in South Africa all, the three times you've been there? Yes, I was. Okay. Yeah, I went yeah, to... I've been back every time. Yeah. Okay. I was in Zimbabwe. It oh, was an yeah. absolutely amazing trip uh, for nine days, which was seven of it hunting. And it, it was just an absolute... My kids always joke that they're like, Dad, you shot a zoo. Uh, there was just so many animals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, they're like, we don't have to go to the zoo anymore. You got it on the wall. Uh, so it was exactly it was just an awesome experience <laughs> i can't wait to take my kids to africa one day yeah uh, no it's, it'll change your life especially like what i do is i usually do a lot of mission work while i go down there too um i've got a good friend who's south african and who has enough any business and so that's normally who i go with and then i spend a week hunting then i spend a week out in the uh, what we call the bush and um, just going around uh, different orphan orphanages, and we started a bunch of them down there, and some soup kitchens, and some schools. We had we did a lot of work down there, just because you go down there and your heart kind of stays down there with them. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to these rural villages, and the things you see is just just saddening. And it's like, man, we need to do something to try to help these young kids to better educate themselves and get them out of the, a life of poverty. Because you don't get them out of it, they're they're never going to leave it. You know, they, that's all they know, and so. If you help them out, 
say the few of them, you've done yourself good. Yeah, it's always amazing when I saw what they had and what they were happy with versus when yeah, you hear with nothing. Exactly. <laughs> you would see these nine-year-old kids pushing carts pulled by these miniature donkeys just piled high with wood, and you're like, man, I can't think of a kid that would want to do that here in the States. You know, so no. it was really an eye-opener and uh, really a fantastic trip. And as you said, you're, a piece of you stays there. Uh, and it never yeah, it comes does. back. It it makes you want to go back there to, to rediscover that piece all the time. Yeah, well, I think about it. And where else can you go that have absolutely zero cell phone service for weeks? Travel a country and have no cell phone service. I mean, it. it I mean, the, the, that that country, especially when you get out in the real bush. I mean, it's. I mean, you've got seven year olds that are raising their brothers and sisters because their mom and dad have passed away of HIV. Mm-hmm. You know, and how many seven-year-olds can actually take care of a family when you go to South Africa? You see that, and it's it's just, it's mind-blowing. Yeah, I've always, uh, like you said, it's really an amazing uh, uh, experience. You get in there, and it just yeah. it changes you, especially when you come back and you look and say, "Yeah, I really am blessed." Compared, comparatively speaking, I'm I'm doing quite well. Yeah, exactly. So. On that note, did you grow up in a hunting family? You know, I did. I I, uh, I, I grew up in an extremely poor family, and I, I was I just did a I was the speaker at an eighth grade graduation, and the, and it was kind of they wanted it was, their their motto was dream big, and and I remember as a kid, I, I remember getting my first brand new pair of tennis shoes, and I think it was in seventh grade because I mowed enough lawns and got a job to be able to afford my first brand new pair of shoes. And so hunting was our way of feeding our family. And I remember going out with my mom and dad as a young kid. And, and then when I got 13 years old, I was able to hunt for myself and, you know, to, to help provide for the family. And so hunting was instilled in me. Is It's not, you, 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 you hunt for food for your family to feed, the, you know, to, to fill the, the table full of food. It was never about, hey, I'm going to be a trophy hunter and this and that. And so my mom and dad instilled that, that, that aspect of hunting is to provide food and you need to learn how to be efficient. You need to, to, to get it taken care of so the family can, you know, the family can eat. So, yes, I did grow up in a, in a hunting family. And was that there in the, in the Kalispell area? No. So, basically, well, I kind of, I, I, I was born in eastern Montana. My Dad was a school teacher, and so when I, when I was four years old, we moved to a little town called Eureka, which is basically 65 miles north of Kalispell. So, yeah, I did grow up in this area, um, but, yeah, I grew up in a little small uh, town up in, uh, in northwest Montana called Eureka. Okay, so you were darn near to Canada. Yeah, it was basically seven miles. <laughs> so yeah. growing up, you were able to do mule deer, turkey, whitetail, that's all there, plus phenomenal fishing. Oh, yeah. Uh, turkey, we didn't have turkeys until the Amish community started coming in, and then they started bringing some wild birds in to, to in their area. And now, I mean, the weird thing is with us up here is northwest Montana, the strip between Kalispell, this little section through Kalispell, through Whitefish, we are the only area in the entire state of Montana that have true purebred eastern turkeys. You go eastern Montana, south Montana, um, even up in Eureka, there's parts of Eureka that have Merriams, and then Libby, which is 90 miles uh, to the west of us around Merriam. So I never really started turkey hunting until about eight, nine years ago, because I always tell people it's kind of like my elk hunting in the in the spring. 
because uh, that's really what it's like to me, calling and getting close. And so I really didn't start doing that until about eight, nine years ago. And then, you know, I'm one of these guys that I'm not going to stop until I'm super proficient at it or I can go out and be successful. And so I really worked hard and my calling, my technique. And so, but yeah, I grew up in elk hunting, whitetail hunting, black bear hunting, mule deer hunting, antelope hunting. I mean, that's the things that we did. I've just myself gotten into the idea of turkey hunting. I've never done it before. I'm not proficient at calling and I'm learning. Or tr- uh, let me rephrase that. I'm trying to learn. <laughs> uh, but the neat thing is, and you probably experienced this, the turkey hunting community is very uh, arms open and, and will, will welcome you in. Yep. And so it's been really neat. And you say dream big. I says, geez. I said, what can I do? So I said, I've never shot a turkey before. I've seen them. I'm down here in South Texas, so I see Rios all the time. Oh, yeah. And when I was a kid growing up in Michigan, there really wasn't any turkeys. And then they were introduced and brought back, and now they're everywhere. So I decided I'm going to dream big, and I'm going to do the Royal Slam, or at least I'm going to attempt it. And for the listeners out there that might not be familiar with it, that's all five of the turkey subspecies. So I'm putting a game plan together here, and I'm going to do it with a crossbow. And so that's my homage or that's my idea. And somebody asked me, well, why? And I said, I don't know. Why not? But once I get that idea about turkey hunting, once it gets in you, it's it's really all encompassing or it's a really a heavy thought process, I should say. Oh, well, it is. You're hooked. I mean, it's it it, to me, as I said before, it's like elk hunting to me in the spring, you know, and and learning how to call and, and, you know, knowing when to call and, and what sounds to make at the right times and, and to draw those birds. I mean, we had a phenomenal turkey season last year. We shot 27 birds on film. Wow. And I, me personally, I every set that I went out on, because I take friends out and I take fans out hunting with me if they're in my area. I'm like, hey, I'll take you. Let's go. I'll go have some fun. Um, every set that I, every time I set up, every day I killed a bird with somebody. I mean, I had the most phenomenal turkey season i've ever had it was just everything was put in place perfectly every time the birds worked it perfect the, all the guys made perfect shots and i mean it, it just was a spectacular turkey season and i can't wait for this year i mean i'm really excited because uh, we're heading back to the world turkey Hunt championships again this year and hopefully try to win us a world title and oh fantastic we've got hunts in nebraska and yeah and kansas and washington and montana and minnesota so we take we, we take our turkey in pretty serious now very cool. Yeah, I'm going to be putting in for the, my other, just to make it that much more difficult on myself, I want to do all five of them in the United States. So I've been putting, uh, I'm starting to put in for the Gould's turkey in southern Arizona. Oh, yeah. And that's going to be a tough one to get, but you get that thing. You get better let me know because that's, that's an exciting hunt. Oh, you betcha. You'll, uh, everybody will know because they'll hear me screaming with uh, joy if I get drawn <laughs> for that tag. Yeah, that's awesome. And so I said, if, you know, I can certainly go to Mexico and, and hunt the Gould's turkey a lot easier. And I'm not adverse to that. Uh, but, and I may do that to finish out the slam and until I get drawn for the one or hopefully get drawn for the yeah. one in Arizona. And so then I can turn around and replace that and say, okay, I've gotten all five in the, in the States, which would be really cool. And, and then I'd love to hunt them in Canada. I, I absolutely love going to Canada. Yeah, I do too. I I mean, we have a we have a, a top five show in Canada. Um, 
because we all we are here in the states, but we also have a, a show up in in Canada and thirteen other countries. And I love hunting Canada. I'm, I mean, obviously, I'm close enough. And actually, one of my guys is now moving up there and getting his guide license, so we'll be able to hunt a lot more. But we do a lot of our bear hunts, you know, um, up in up in Canada, and it's just it's phenomenal. With a lot of bears, a lot of big bears, and, and I've got some really good outfitter friends of mine that I've hunted with for years. That I mean, I've been fortunate in the bear hunting world. Man, I've shot the last seven years. I've shot one bear that's been seven foot every year. So, oh wow! Unlike the bear magnet, it seems like, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's fun up there. You better get one hellacious trophy room. I've got a fairly substantial. I actually, you know, what's funny is is I shoot so many animals a year that that I'm not I'm not gonna I don't mount it unless it's something really unique or something so extremely huge that yeah, I'm pretty much forced to, to to do it. Well, I saw one of your videos, and it might have been the turkey video at the very beginning. You're talking and you're standing in front of the the buffalo after it's been done at the taxidermist, and uh, it's it, if I think if I'm remembering right is on a pedestal stand um yes yeah it is it's uh yeah i've got a couple but the one i think the one you're talking about is the, my red bird my red phase eastern turkey no for the i'm is sorry kind for, of a red color for the buffalo oh yeah my buffalo yeah 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 my buffalo is on a basically it's a pedestal a half mount pedestal and yeah. it's for anybody yeah, that that's wants it, that's in my office <laughs> <laughs> for anybody that wants to see just the most incredible mount you got to check this video out. I'll put a link to it in the notes to the show because if you do nothing else, watch the first few minutes just to see this Buffalo mount. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. I, it's, it's funny when people come to my office, that's the first thing they, they migrate to because they don't realize how massive of an animal that, that the bison is. I mean, they're huge. Well, and that's cool because that's neat that you can have that in your office and not worry about somebody coming in and saying, "Oh, forget this, I'm out of here," because they're, you know, an anti-hunting. <laughs> oh yeah, well, we still get that every once in a while. But you know, the funny thing is, is, is you know, I always tell people everybody has their choice of what if they like it, if they don't like it. And you know, if you don't like it, you know, I respect how you feel and your opinion on it. But you also got to respect, you know, my opinion and 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 what we believe in. And to me, hunting is is it's not just hey we're gonna just go kill animals. No, we're going out and we're we're taking animals and we're donating it back to, you know, food banks like that. Like uh, I shot a moose. I drew a moose tag in Montana. Oh, took wow. me 27 years, and I donated over 300 pounds of hamburger to a nursing home up in Eureka. You know, that's the things that we do with that, and and people lose sight of, you know, the anti-hunters that lose sight of what hunting is about and it's about providing food and you know we go rounds and rounds obviously with them because they get on our social media pages and they want to say the things they want to say and we want to be kind and courteous but we also want to tell them listen your view is is your view our view is hey we want to help people put food on the table and feed their family and that's just that's what hunting's about yeah it's it's always a challenge because you don't i always go at it as I want to be nice, courteous. I don't care what you say. Uh, even though that's not necessarily sometimes what I'm thinking, th- th- my response yeah, has yeah. always got to be nice and courteous. Yeah, it is, well, it is. And it gets tough when when you get your death threats and you get, you know, just really mean things said that, that are ill will to you, to you, your family, your friends, to your life. You know, and so you gotta, it's, it's this roller coaster game of how can you be nice but be like, hey, you know, that's, that's uncalled for. You really shouldn't 
wish upon somebody getting mauled by a bear <laughs> or eaten by some, you know, it's just horrible. And they, they, I think they just do it to get a, a rise out in. If you don't respond, then they pretty much leave you on to move on. But there's times it's pretty tough. Yeah. So no, it's, it, it, yes, it's very much always a challenge. One thing I noticed you guys do is there's a lot of uh, bird hunting in your episodes. Yep, we do a lot of, we're diehard waterfowlers. That's, if, if people, you know, who know me, I love to waterfowl hunt. I mean, I've loved it for years. And, and so that's one of the things that, that we try to get out, you know, waterfowl up on game birds, stuff like that, and just really enjoy waterfowl hunting because it's, it's fun. It's, you know, you get to call, you get to sit and wait, you get to use your decoys, and I mean, it's the it's, it's same, same thing with turkey hens, just like turkey hens, you know, you got to work the ducks right, and, or the geese right, and so yeah, we do, I said, we do everything, I mean, I, I live by the rule of thumb, it's got uh, four legs and fur, or a bill and a beak, we're going to hunt it, I mean, <laughs> that's just who we are and how we are. Now, you're, personally, you live in Kalispell, so you're right near Flathead yeah. Lake, do you do a lot of episodes yes, of... Uh, the bird hunting and stuff down near Flathead Lake? Yep, we do. Yeah, we do a lot of it uh, on the Flathead River. Uh, we got a bunch of sloughs that come off there. Um, I got some really good hunting spots there. Um, we do a lot of field hunting around the lake. You know, we got a, a center of Kalispell or south end of Kalispell. It's all agricultural. So you got your weed farmers, your bean farmers, and stuff like that. And so we do a lot of stuff there. But we also go to Arkansas. Uh, we got some good friends of ours down there. And we try to at least go down and shoot one video, maybe two shows a year down there with those guys. And now we just love our waterfowl hunt. Fantastic! I'm not a I'm not a bird hunter like duck hunting and everything. I've just never gotten into it. But I know it, uh, it it's an absolute. People that do it love it. So it's neat to see with. Oh, the, I think you had swans, and I think or not swan. Was it swan hunting or goose hunting? There was man. There was so many good videos. Well, we do them both. Uh, yeah. We've swan hunted. We've we've showed several swan hunting shows, and and I say we're fortunate that we're one of the only states that you can actually draw uh, for a swan tag. It's one tag a year. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't drawn for the last two years. I'm kind of bummed out about it, but um, we have one of the major flyways for for uh, tundra and trumper swans. They come right through a, a section of Montana, and people always ask, "Why do you want to do that?" Well, and I always tell people. The true reason behind it is the fun is fun itself, but the population basis of the swan, they have really no natural predator, and not a lot of people shooting them because of the fact that there's not really many places you can actually have a season. So in our area, we'll have five to 10,000 of them fly in and then leave another five to 10, come back in and leave. I mean, it's, and it's amazing. You just sit there, and half the time I just sit there and just listen. As they're flying over, I don't even hunt. I just sit there and just listen, and it's just it's an un- unbelievable experience. Very neat. So you you can be drawn for one swan a year in Montana. Yes, you can. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that's down here. We have the sandhill cranes, and can those be hunted out? Yeah, we Eastern? got the, Yeah, we actually we can hunt them here too. You actually, that's another draw area, uh, a draw zone. And unfortunately, I actually drew uh, my sandhill crane tag in the area. You can actually harvest two of them. And they flew in, and they were there for three days and gone. And I was actually on a hunt, um, and so I totally missed my sandhill crane season this year. Cause our season is—it's a short season. It's like September eighth through the thirtieth of September, I think. And then you just gotta wait and hope that they show up during that time frame. And 
by the time they showed up and gone, it was the season was over and they were long gone. So I was bummed out. Oh, I bet I I have not had a chance to hunt them yet, but I was out hunting uh, deer one year, sitting in the blind, and I heard this r- racket coming and didn't know what it was, and it kept getting louder and louder and louder, and then all of a sudden, there must have been three four hundred of those sandhill cranes that flew over top of me. Oh yeah, and so yeah, they they uh they call them the ribeyes of the sky. If you if you ever get the chance to have one. And you get a tag and you harvest one. It's it's like eating a ribeye steak. And that's what I've heard. It's, I'm looking forward to phenomenal. It. Yeah. Well, you've hunted and harvested. Just what what's next? What's next for Silent Draw Outdoors? <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, if I had a bucket list of animals, I still want to to head up to Alaska. I still want to shoot a brown with my bow and and um, a muskox. So those are the two things that for me that I really, that I really, really want to do at some point in my life. Um, but other than that, just, I just love the hunt. I love the adventure and I'm up to, to go anywhere, do anything that, that, you know, that we can live out our dreams and our adventures and let people know what reality hunting is really all about. Very cool. So now are you thinking Greenland for a muskox? Um, you no, know, I, I mean, I go up, uh, up to the, up to Alaska, up to the Yukon. I mean, we can go up there and do it. I got a good friend of mine who's been wanting to go up and do it. So he actually messaged me the other day and he wants to try to put some together in the next year or two. So hopefully that, that'll, uh, we'll be up in Alaska for that, I think. So oh, fantastic. hopefully we'll get that done and, and go enjoy that. Cause that's, everybody thinks they're giant animals and they're really, they're not that big of an animal. It's just, they look big because of all their fur, but they're just a majestic, just a beautiful animal. They're very neat. It's one of the, uh, down here, there's a, a Cabela's that has one of the big mountains, and it has a couple of the muskox in it. And I love to oh, yeah. look at them. They're just a beautiful animal. Yep, they're just amazing. Well, great. So tell folks, uh, again, what what channels can they catch uh, Silent Draw Outdoors on? So right now, we are a Q3, Q4 show on Pursuit Channel. So come this June, you'll actually be able to get on. we our primetime airtime. We are four days a week, but our primetime spot is Tuesday nights. Uh, 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. Um, you can get on our Facebook page. Uh, we also have a Vimeo page. Um, you mentioned a, 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 a YouTube page that we had some hunts on there. Um, we also have, we're also starting our own uh, Roku channel. Um, and we're actually working with a couple other digital media format companies um, to launch Silent Drive Doors and some other digital formats. So pretty much any time you want to watch the show uh, or catch up on the show, you're going to have avenues to, to actually get to watch what we've done in the past and what we're going to be doing here in the future. Well, fantastic. In the show notes, I'll have links to the Vimeo and the YouTube channel. I'll also have links to your Facebook page and then your Perfect. website. And if somebody wanted to contact you, what would be the best way to do that? Uh, message me on, on Silent Drought Door Facebook page. Um, that's the easiest way because we, we're always giving away stuff from some of our good sponsors. And and so we do question and answer stuff. And the easiest way is get on get on our Facebook page. Call your friends and family. Sign up. Get on there. Become a fan because we're giving away some really cool stuff. We're actually going to do a, a really cool – we did it last year, uh, last season, but – this season we're going to do another question and answer and if i read you you, you send us in a question anything to do with hunting i'm going to respond to every one of you 
so it's, it takes me a little bit to, to get back to everybody because we're, you know, getting four to 10,000 uh, questions a week. But I promise I'll get back to people. And then we pick one lucky winner a week uh, to win a cool prize from one of our sponsors. And at the end of that uh, 16 or 13 week show season, uh, we're going to pick one grand prize winner who's going to win Grizzly Cooler, uh, Garmin GPS, a Hoyt bow, just a bunch of stuff. Yeah, we're going to give away a giant prize package. There's going to be some optics in it. There could be an archery target in it for you. There's going to be a lot of stuff. So whomever whomever wins this is going to be pretty pleased because they're going to win, you know, eight to ten thousand dollars worth of hunting gear uh, just by becoming a fan of Silent Draw through Facebook. Well, I'll tell you what, you've got a great list of sponsors. I'm going to have links to all that. I hope everybody goes out and checks out Silent Draw Outdoors and then, uh, you know, enter the drawings. Jeez, that's some great stuff and, and phenomenal prize packages. So you've got no, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain by seeing a great show. Yes, you do. I mean, the nice thing about it is this. If you want reality hunting and you just want to see guys that, that are just like you at home who just enjoy the hunt and just join being in the woods or being in the tree stand or being with their friends just out having fun, this is the show to watch. Awesome. Well, Shane, I can't thank you enough for your time. I'll let you get back to a busy day. and uh, we'll. No problem, buddy. It's just I, I look forward to catching up with you. And we'll talk uh, maybe six months to a year out to see how the season's going and uh, how everything's been been going for the hunting season for you. Sounds good. Yeah, we got some really cool stuff, man. We got this this upcoming season. I mean, we've got a hound hunting video that I, I harvest a, just a monster mountain lion, and, and people are going to truly see some really spectacular stuff and some really cool stuff that, that uh, we're excited to show everybody. Oh, awesome. Well, again, I can't thank you enough for your time. You have a fantastic afternoon. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. I appreciate your time, too. Thanks, bud. Thank you. Come early spring, it's getting green. Fisher on the bed. Hear those turkeys gobble It's ringing in my head The winter rides bass boat Here comes another year Yeah, we command the outdoors around here Oh, we command the outdoors Yeah, we command the outdoors Come summertime, we're feeling fine Fishing on the lake Flipping jigs and Carolina rigs From early morning till real late Bonfires on the creek bank Kick back a couple beers yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Next year's does until you know winter's on the way. Brushing blinds and deer stands 
fever starts to creep. Fill our freezers full of ducks, lots of tender deer. Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Yeah, we, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we, we command the outdoors. So grab your guns, shells, boys. Put on your camouflage. Cause we command the outdoors around here. We command the outdoors.